Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams and today is episode number 37. 37 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast, and I appreciate you listening so much. We have a very interesting episode today. Got some pretty uh, intriguing topics today that we're going to discuss, including Elon Musk denying an affair with Google's co-founder, Sergey Brin's wife. That's one we'll touch on. We're also going to talk about uh, the Highland Park shooter being indicted by a grand jury on over a hundred, well, 117 total charges. Um, Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan. Shout out to Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh? Harbaugh? Yeah, something like that. Anyways, said that he was willing to raise his or his uh, players' babies, um, basically telling them that they, he said, don't get an abortion. I will raise your children for you. We're also going to discuss the world's first named heat wave. Hmm. We've been talking about this for the last several episodes where there's been this humongous, humongous push recently through the mainstream media to, I don't know, sensationalize, you know, heat <laughs> as a as a as the next killer pandemic uh so find that interesting um so we'll discuss that read about that article see where um what the actual name of that heat wave is going to be uh we're also going to discuss a update as the biden administration offers to exchange Brittany griner and paul whelan for release of russian arms dealer that doesn't sound right Offers to exchange, yeah, so two people for one, they want to exchange a Russian arms dealer for a WNBA basketball player who got caught with marijuana. I don't know, find that one interesting. But all of that to more, all of that to more, all of that and more uh, on today's show. So stick around, I appreciate you so much. And if you're wondering, if you're watching this, why I have this white little, I don't know, eye patch over my eye today. I look like a mix of Nelly and Rocky Balboa. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to tell you. So stick around and we'll talk about that too. Um, welcome to the revolution. Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. All right, let's get 
into it. All right. So the very first thing that we're going to discuss today. Oh, I have a couple other topics uh, that are going to be discussed today, including Kamala Harris's pronoun conversation about her uh, blue suit. <laughs> it's so hilarious. Um, so we'll, we'll also discuss that. All right. Um, so thank you again so much for listening. If you could go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It takes, I don't know, three seconds of your time. And it means the world to me. You have, you know, so many different ways that you can get good karma. But you know what? You didn't get it so far today. You've done nothing to deserve it. And now you can get that good karma just by pressing the button for me. Hit that subscribe button right now now. And again, it would mean the world for me. Leave a five-star review that helps me get pushed up in the rankings. And uh, that on the back of the fact that I'm literally censored on every damn social media channel that exists. Um, shadow banned, censored, banned, you name it, I got it. Um, cannot tell you how frustrated I am with this recently. Uh, just got uh, banned for a full week on TikTok because I posted the video about last week's discussion about Hunter Biden um, basically getting in trouble by his own family members for being inappropriate with his niece, Natalie. Um, so I posted a video just basically just reading some of the information about that, reading um, some of the texts, which were not graphic whatsoever, um, and somehow managed to get myself banned for putting negative connotations around a pedophile. Hmm. So right now I have very little platforms, if any, to get the word out. And I need you guys to help me out. All right. What I need you to do is if you do see my stuff on Instagram, or if you don't see my stuff on Instagram, go ahead over to my Instagram. You can search it right at the top of the Instagram search bar and you need to put in the full name. It's red pill revolt is the username. You have to put in the full thing. They will shadow ban me until you put it in and press the enter button. And then you will see my account with more than 49,000 followers on there, but you can't see it until you press the whole damn thing in there. You'll probably even see my backup before you even see that, which just has two T's. Um, but head over there and it would really, I mean, the only, literally the only way I have right now to get the word out on these things to speak, you know, up in these times of craziness where somebody gets shadow banned for discussing a president's son who's being accused of being inappropriate with his family, young underage family members, I get censored for that, right? So I need you guys to help me out, share my stuff, post it on your story, you know, reshare my videos, um, you know, do whatever you can to help me get the word out about this. I would appreciate it more than you'd ever know. You know, this is something that I would love, love, love to do as my full-time career. And I was looking to do that by the end of this year. And on the trajectory that I was on and just a few months into this, um, it was absolutely doable. I got like 50,000 followers in my first five months. And then I got shadow banned into oblivion by Instagram and it killed all of my traction, killed all of my growth. I've literally lost 3% of my followers have gained zero um, over the last 90 days, um, going on five months now since that happened. So, um, again, just a few ways that you can help me out. If you head over to that page, hit the notification button at the top, right? You can hit the three little, um, three little dots at the top, right? And, uh, turn on your notifications for the red pill revolt, uh, Instagram page. And that would mean a lot to me. Um, and just share my shit. I appreciate it. Like I said, but the very first thing that we're going to jump into today is going to be Elon Musk denying his affair with Google co-founder, Sergey Brin's wife. Okay. So Elon Musk denying his affair with the Google co-founder's wife. Um, and we'll discuss this because it seems to be like, you know, 
Elon Musk is shouting disinformation, <laughs> whereas the Google executive, I'm pretty sure, basically uh, divorced his wife over this. So if Elon Musk is just, you know, or if they're going after Elon Musk, this guy's pretty committed to doing so by divorcing, like actually legitimately divorcing his wife over this. <laughs> but it goes on to say that Tes uh, Tesla boss Elon Musk has denied having an affair with Nicole Shanahan, the wife of Google co-founder Sergey Brin. Musk's comments came after the Wall Street Journal reported that his friendship with Mr. Brin had ended over the alleged affair. Replying to a link to the story posted on Twitter, Musk referred to the report as total BS. Musk went on to say that he is still friends with Mr. Brin and that they were at a party together last night. Hmm. <laughs> Citing people familiar with the matter, the Wall Street Journal said that Musk has, was engaged in a brief affair last year with Ms. Shanahan. This prompted Mr. Brin to file for divorce earlier this year over this and ended the long friendship between the two high-profile technology billionaires. The paper also went on to say, but Musk tweeted, I've only seen Nicole twice in three years, both times with many people around and nothing romantic. His tweet said verbatim, um, this is total BS. Sergey and I are friends and we're at a party together last night. I've seen Nicole twice in three years, both times with many other people around. Nothing romantic. At the time of the alleged affair in December, Mr. Brin and his wife were separated but still living together, the Wall Street Journal said, citing a person close to Miss Shanahan. Then cite them. What? In a separate tweet, Mr. Musk said, the Wall Street Journal has run so many BS hit pieces on me and Tesla, I've lost count. Even though they have, uh, even though they have a prenuptial agreement, Mr. Brennan and Ms. Shanahan are currently negotiating a divorce settlement, which could be as much as $1 billion. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Shanahan is a California-based attorney and founder of legal technology company Clear Access IP and the Baya Echo Foundation. Uh, according to her LinkedIn profile, the Baya Echo Foundation is a philanthropic organization that promotes reproductive longevity and equality, criminal justice reform, and a healthy, livable planet. Wow, that is the most vague thing ever. Sounds like money laundering to me. <laughs> Mr. Musk, who is also the boss of rocket firm SpaceX, is also known for how he operates his many companies, but has also attracted press interest in his private life. Um, so this goes on to show a few other recent articles put out about Musk just in the last three months. And it does seem like there's been several, several hit pieces on Elon Musk over the last 90 days or so leading up to the Twitter buyout. All right. So let's just read through some of these articles, which says that uh, let's just read on down. What are the Elon Musk headers from this? Uh, the, the news company that I'm looking at here is BBC. All right. The, the first one is Twitter spent 33 million in three months on Musk deal. Tesla sells most of its Bitcoin holdings. That was six days ago. Twitter must dispute heading for October trial. Twitter sues Elon Musk over $44 billion takeover deal. None of those are hit pieces. Musk became father of twins last year. Elon Musk's daughter cut ties with her father. And Elon Musk denies sexual misconduct allegations. That was all the way back in May. So, who knows? I could see Elon being a sneaky little bastard, especially knowing that he was in some type of sexual engagement with Amber Heard. If you're willing to do anything with that batshit crazy lady, then you're probably not above, you know, banging your buddy's wife. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it, it is a strong potential that this has actually happened, in my opinion. Um, but you know, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing uh, coming out yet that gives us one way or another besides a close, confident informant, like they, you know, alluded to on there. Uh, but I found that to be interesting. Elon Musk out there doing the dirty, dirty deeds against his own friends' uh, wives. <laughs> now, um, I guess we'll have to see what comes of that if there is any further tweets. Um, but time will tell. Uh, who knows? Um, I think Elon Musk is probably, and she's getting a billion dollars, right? If she goes from being with Elon Musk to this Google executive, or from this Google executive to Elon Musk, you, and you get a billion dollars while cheating on your husband and screwing, you know, the world's most rich man, <laughs> I think, I think you're doing well. Um, so this sounds like a lose-lose for both of the men and a win-win for Mrs. Shanahan or Miss Shanahan now to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> no longer misses. Um, but sounds like she won, right? Elon Musk lost as in this hip story, although maybe he did get some late night shenanigans with the Google co-founder's wife. Um, and the Google co-founder seems to be the loser loser here because he both got cheated on and will lose a billion dollars as a result. All right. Now, the very next thing that we are going to discuss is going to be Jim Harbaugh saying that he is willing to raise his players' babies instead of them getting an abortion. All right. Now, it says that uh, Jim Harbaugh is fiercely against abortion, says that he'd be willing to raise the baby of any of his University of Michigan football players if they had an unplanned pregnancy and the couple decided to have the baby. He went on to say that I've told them the same thing. I tell my kids, boys, the girls, same thing I tell our players and our staff members, he said on Saturday. I encourage them to have a pregnancy that wasn't planned to go through with it. Go through with it, he told ESPN. Let that unborn child be born. And if at the time you don't feel like you can care for it, you don't have the means or wherewithal, then Sarah and I will take the baby, he said. The Wolverines head coach, who signed a $36.7 million extension in February, was the keynote speaker at a recent Right to Life event. Hmm, interesting. I didn't know that about him. Um, I don't happen to be a University of Michigan fan, uh, but a you know one of their rivals fans. <laughs> um, However, uh, I would say that he just went up in my book, right? To know that he's actually at, out, out there, um, you know, boots on the ground and pushing for some of his beliefs, including, you know, not uh, aborting slash killing potential human life. During the abortion speech, 58-year-old Harbaugh spoke and about having the courage to let the unborn be born. As for why he chose to speak out about the controversial topic, Jim says, while it may be difficult, it's an incredibly important issue for America. Um, now it goes on to say uh, another quote from him, which is just, I just think the issue of life, I think, I just think this issue of life saved the, a life. The abortion issue is one that is so big that it needs to be talked about. It's a life or death type of issue. And I believe in and respect people's views, but let them discuss it because there's a passion on both sides of the issue. This is on the backs of the Roe versus Wade decision to be overturned. Now, um, good on Harbaugh for doing this, right? I would absolutely, I love that. I love that, right? That this man is so willing and, and so 
in his own beliefs about this, that he's willing to take on the responsibility, right? Even of his staff members, not just his own children, not of, you know, his, just his players, which is a pretty audacious uh, position to hold to begin with. I don't know if that word applies there, <laughs> but, but then all, not only that, but your staff members too. So good on Harbaugh for speaking out, speaking up, going to these rallies, um, being a keynote speaker at them. Um, just looking through some of the pictures of this conversation that he had here, uh, posted by Detroit Catholic, um, in Plymouth, Michigan in the recent speech. Um, but very cool. I love that. I think that's so awesome and, and good on him. You know, I think there's a, a longer conversation to be had. We've had this conversation several times since then. But, you know, as my position is held, you know, there's definitely some options. One of those options is adoption, right? Or, you know, worst case scenario, foster care. But I don't think if you interviewed any child ever who's ever been birthed ever after not being aborted by their mother and being given up to foster care or via adoption, that any of them ever would say that they would rather be dead. Just my opinion. Um, but good on him. I think that's awesome. You know, there's very little positive headlines being pushed out there today. And I'm sure 100% positive that he's going to catch a bunch of shit for this. Um, and he knew that going into it full well, right? He knew that, but he decided to do that anyways, which I think is just awesome. All right. Um, so one of the next things we're going to discuss here is going to be the name of the world's very first heat wave. <laughs> right now. But before I do that, I need you to do one thing for me. Head over right now to redpillrevolution.substack.com. All right. Now, every single week I put out a Substack can podcast companion newsletter directly to your email. And what I've been doing with that recently is I've been putting in all of the full episode. The podcast is embedded right there on the email for you. You click it, you can listen to it. It comes out the very next day, generally, um, sometimes a day or two after, but usually I try to put it out the very next day. Um, I also include the full video podcast directly on there for you, embedded again. And then all of the topic clips, every single topic that I discussed broken down into just the very, um, you know, um, shortest amount of time that I discuss them for you to get exactly what I talked about and have an organized way to get it. You can get that right now for free for free. All right. Now, if you would love to support me, you can do that in a couple different ways. All right. The first way you can do it is by signing up as a paid subscriber of the Substack. It is a free option, but if you have the means to do so, um, I think it's like you can do $7. You can do, you know, whatever you can choose a custom amount, whatever that means to you or to help support me. Um, I would really appreciate it. Like I said, this is going to be not I want it to be, not I, I will try to make it be. This is going to be my full-time career eventually, and I would like that to be sooner or later. And the only way that I can do that right now is if you guys go ahead and sign up for that Substack as a paid member, donate directly via the Give, Send, Go, um, which is givesendgo.com slash revolution, or by signing up for life insurance. Um, now, I just messed around with the website a little bit, so I will be posting that link back up there. Um, but you can go to the website, redpillrevolution.co.com is for losers. 
redpillrevolution.co. And eventually, probably in the next couple of days here, I will have a link for you to go ahead and click on it and get a quote and get yourself some life insurance. And that is the absolute best possible way ever you could support the podcast. Um, there's decent, like very decent commissions on life insurance. Um, and you get something out of it too, right? You get some life insurance, you protect yourself, you protect your family if something bad happens to you and everybody dies eventually. So you might as well not leave your family with a bunch of debt. So um, I got like a, I think it was a $2 million policy for 40 or $50 a month or something like that. Um, so head over there right now, get a quote, sign up. That's the best possible way that you can support me. And also, if you can't do any of those things, just share my stuff right now. I would appreciate it more than you'd ever know. All right. That's what I got for that. Now, um, the name of the the world's very first named heat wave, and the name is Zoe. Zoe. How anticlimactic. And they started at Z. <laughs> so, hmm, interesting. Uh, so it says blistering temperatures ranked as a category three, the most severe tier in Seville's Spain's new heat wave system. Um, the world's first named heat wave hit Seville, Spain this week, pushing temperatures past 110 degrees Fahrenheit and earning the most severe tier in the city's new heat wave rank, new heat wave ranking system. Interesting how new this is. Oh, and they're also going to call it Zoe, which has brought scorching temperatures to the southern part of the country for the last few days, particularly in the region of Andalusia, where Seville is located. When in the evenings, the Spanish Meteorologist Service recorded temperatures that hovered above the mid-80s. In some areas, an extra stress on the human body, which relies on cooler nights to recover from high daytime heat. Uh, so this is all just telling you, like there was a recent video that came out from, I think it might have been Project Veritas, but it basically... Uh, caught a CNN executive basically saying that the climate crisis is now going to be the new COVID push that they had, right? So they, they're over the pandemic, the death numbers are off the side of it, right? And now the new way that they're going to instill fear in you, get you to lock down your businesses, take away your rights, is going to be through the climate crisis, and now we know it because CNN's executive just said it literally from his mouth while being schmoozed on a date that wasn't really a date. I find that to be one of the most hilarious parts of the Project Veritas stuff is like, not only did you get leaked saying some shit that you probably shouldn't say, not only are you going to probably lose your job for doing so and get ridiculed by everybody you've ever known in your professional career, but you also now know that that probably pretty hot girl that you thought you were going on a date with that was super into you was full of shit and just having a conversation with you so she could steal information from you like literally like some kgb spy stuff going on here and uh i believe it was project veritas it looked like a project veritas video um i don't know of anybody else who's been doing stuff like that so it, it likely has to be uh but it says that the the, uh, the worst of the heat is expected to begin tapering off today. It was poised uh, as it a, it posed a significant risk to human health while it lasted, according to Pro Medio Seville. Yeah, who cares? 
This big, big push by all the mainstream medias, I've talked about it several times over the last several weeks, every new article, the thousands of healthy people will die in the UK, right? Or wherever it was, Europe. Um, all of these articles coming out, now CNN coming out and saying that they are literally going to instill fear in you through this. And then they come out with a naming system for a heat wave like they've never done in the history of humans ever. And not only that, but they were dumb enough to start it at Z. <laughs> so we'll see where that goes. But I, I really do think this is exactly what's happening is they are going to push for a climate lockdown 100%, right? Everybody knows COVID's over. Everybody knows besides maybe Fauci, who wants to still try and push fear in you because he's so irrelevant at this point. And nobody cares what he says. But this is their new way of trying to instill fear. This is their new way of trying to instill totalitarianism. This is their new way of trying to take away your jobs and your rights. It's just what's going to happen. And there's this is like the scariest part about all of this for me is there's like literally nothing we can do. There's not like, I don't know what what we can do, like protests, maybe like get gather and get in front of these people. I guess that's the, the OG way of doing it, right? We got to get, there's got to be some type of organization that's going to put these things together because there's not even a whisper of these things happening right now. Not even a whisper of anybody at all in the United States of America pushing back against this totalitarianism over the last several years, right? There wasn't like even the trucker rally that was supposed to go on, like just drifted off into the wind, like nothing happened. Nobody heard about it. Nobody talked about it. It didn't help with any change at all, right? So on the backs of all of this climate crisis, all of this food shortage crisis, which is basically just Bill Gates and China buying up all of the farmland in the United States so that they can force you to shove bugs in your mouth, like Nicole Kidman, if you saw that video, you if you haven't seen it, you gotta go watch it. Nicole Kidman basically, uh, what does she say? Like, 50% of the world, or some stupid statistic that she gives, eats bugs. Mm. And then she has like a four different types of bugs that she eats. It's like this gross, gross mixture of Hollywood and global elites pushing their like next wave of societal shifts that they're going to profit trillions off of. And then, and I think that's an interesting point too, is like, that's the way that when you have billions, when you have hundreds of billions of dollars, you know how you get trillions? You make societal human systemic shifts, right? Like shifting everybody from eating meat to eating beyond meat, shifting everybody from focusing on uh, good whole sourced beef to crickets and mealworms and all of this grossness, right? It's like what they've done is they've found ways over the years to take a whole way of human beings operating systems and shifting it in a direction of something that's profitable for them, right? Like we saw it with the pandemic, with the vaccine, we saw it with like this hyper inflated sense of fear that they instilled in people to do so. Um, it, you know, here's an example of, of you know, just the, the, the beyond me is such a good example of it. Bill Gates trying to basically shift the whole world from eating literally what was put on this planet for us to consume, just like every human ever has consumed forever. It's not like cow farts all of a sudden are tearing down the ozone. Like cows have been around for a very long time, right? They're not just now, you know, 
pooping enough to to blow up the world, right? It's it's so stupid. And so you see them make these huge societal shifts, right? These huge, you know, concerted efforts to instill fear in the human psyche enough to make you want to spend your money and wholly shift over to something new. And here's an example that I've used before. It's like if Bill Gates decided that he wanted to take a $500 billion and turn it into $5 trillion, what he could do is he would go and he would lobby and he would push through all of the mainstream media that water is now toxic. The water you drink is bad for you. You should stop drinking it because if you continue doing so, you're going to die. Everybody's going to do, going to die. And if you don't stop drinking it, your neighbor's going to hate you. Your friends are going to hate you. You're going to be the most hated person in the world because you're contributing to all these people in the world who are now dying because they're drinking water. And then after pushing that message for so long, he decides to lobby against all these politicians who are now going to push Gates Arade, right? The brand new water that's better than the old water. It's like Gatorade, but better, right? And he's going to he's gonna lobby through all the higher up governmental societal positions, and he's going to pay them off. Like I said, 500 billion gets you pretty far with politicians. Pay off all these politicians, right? Pay them off. And now eventually you're going to get these infrastructure bills that are going to be passed to put in new pipings for Gates Arade, right? Bill Gates Gatorade <laughs> that is taking over water. And then eventually every single person in society is going to point their grubby little finger at you for drinking water. And now Gates took that 500 billion and turned it into 5 trillion because now nobody's drinking water and they're all drinking Gates Arade. <laughs> and if Bill Gates steals that name from me, he owes me some damn royalties because that would, or my idea. If he steals my idea or my name, he has to pay me royalties. Calling it right now, all right? Because that's a pretty damn evil plan that I just outlaid for him and a pretty damn good marketing name <laughs> for doing so. Uh, definitely better than Beyond Meat, right? It's like I've seen all of these like vegan, vegetarian people like shoving their BS meat down your throat. Like if you're going to be a vegetarian, great. If you're going to be a carnivore diet, great. Anything is better than the standard American diet. Literally anything is better than the standard American diet. But don't try and tell me that eating meat is horrible for you and the reason that people die. Don't try and tell me that eating too many vegetables is that. No, it's the standard American diet is the enemy, which, by the way, was pushed on you by the government, right? Anyways, just a side tangent that this is what they do. They're going to cause these big societal shifts like climate change, like vaccination, like COVID, like lockdowns, like uh, gates arrayed right? Beyond me, all of these things that they're going to eventually try to make these huge societal shifts to turn billions into trillions. And this is how they're doing it. They're going to start with the mainstream media pushing these scare, scare tactics on you, right? They're going to start putting up counters for all the people who died from heat shock. And then what they're going to do is just the literal, the same exact playbook of COVID is just going to be implemented for climate crisis, climate change, right? the heat waves, everybody's dying. And then it's going to be the, you know, the ice age and all of this crazy fear instilling stuff. Then comes the societal shifts, right? Then they're going to start pushing and pumping money, which they're already doing into the governmental structures to try and make you stop driving a gas vehicle. They're going to try to make you stop eating meat. They're going to try to make you stop heating your home with gas. Like all of these things are going to go away and now they're going to shift you, even though they didn't need to. 
They're gonna shift society from one thing to the next so that they can take an entire industry and plop it back into their wallet and profit trillions off of something that is likely a complete bullshit facade, like we saw with the pumping up of numbers of COVID, with the ages uh, or the death certificates being shifted at the last minute, like the, you know, the, the literally murdering people, like mass murder of people by shoving remdesivir down their throat and not giving them access to ivermectin or to, you know, any of the other holistic, you know, monoclonal antibodies, all of these things that were proven to help that they did not allow. Right, just like they're not going to allow you to, they're going to cause these big shifts. They're going to buy up all the farmland and they're not going to allow you to, they're going to cause these like scarcity in meat. And eventually they're hoping that everybody goes to either eat Beyond Meat, which is a 45 ingredient chemical bullshit, or mealworms like Nicole Kidman. Right, I wonder how much they paid her for that. <laughs> I'm sure it was a fair, fair amount of money to eat bugs. Right, if you're Nicole Kidman, are you eating bugs? No unless you're getting paid a shit ton of money, which I'm sure she was. Now, the next thing that we're going to discuss here is going to be the deal that is going down that the Biden administration is willing to trade a convicted Russian arms dealer for a WNBA player who got caught with a marijuana cartridge. Hmm, that to me doesn't seem like a fair trade. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I find this to be interesting. Let's read this article. It says that the Biden administration has offered to exchange a convicted Russian arms trafficker in order to secure the release of two Americans in Russian custody. After two months of debate, WNBA player Brittany Griner and former U.S. Marine Paul Whelan may be freed if the U.S. offers to release Victor Bout. It says that Bout is star a starving... Bout is starving a 25-year prison sentence. That probably should be serving. Who am I reading this from? The Sun. Yeah, not the, I don't know, decently legitimate, kind of sensationalist. But um, I don't think they're starving a 25-year prison sentence. The Sun, if you need an editor, give me a shout. Austin at redpillrevolution.co. Happy to help. <laughs> Bout is serving a 25-year prison sentence in the States after being convicted by a federal court in 2011 for conspiracy to kill U.S. citizens and officials, and we're trading that for a WNBA player who got caught with weed. We put substantial, substantial, a substantial proposition on the table weeks ago to facilitate the release, said Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Blinken added that he plans to speak with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov to bring up the proposal. It will be the first time the two have spoken since the Russian invasion of Ukraine in late February. Whelan has been held by Russia for alleged espionage since 2018. Russian authorities said Whelan had confidential documents in his hotel room while he was visiting the country to attend his Fred's wedding and was given a 16-year sentence. Whelan has since claimed his arrest was a political stunt, according to ABC News. And he said, the guards call me tourist. He spent 18 months in detention, has been awaiting trial, and said that when he was first arrested, he didn't believe it was even happening. How is this a fair sentence? How is this a fair trade at all? Like, I don't know. I stopped playing Pokemon a long time ago, but I know a bullshit trade when I see one. <laughs> We're trading a convicted Russian arms dealer who is allegedly conspiring to kill Americans for a WNBA player who took weed into the country. 
doesn't seem all that fair to me. Now, if you go back during uh, Trump's presidency, he I'm pretty sure it was uh, like Lil Duval or something. Right. I'm pretty sure uh, he got him released with like literally no. Oh, wait, no, that's that not Lil Duval. Lil Duval is a comedian that was recently airlifted to a hospital after a car crash. Um, I don't remember who it was, but Trump basically released a rapper without any negotiations like this, without any trades. He just basically said, hey, that's mine. Give it back. <laughs> and they were like, uh, OK, fine. Right. We're not going to mess with Donald Trump. But what kind of deal is this? What kind of no negotiations is that? Maybe you should start a little bit lower than murderous Russian arms dealer for WNBA player who smokes weed. That's, I don't see the. And on top of that, they threw somebody else in there like it wasn't enough. Right. Like, oh, wait, no, never mind. That's wrong. They, they did two for one the opposite way. OK, so maybe that's better <laughs> than what I was thinking. Um, but obviously this isn't a fair trade. It, it's crazy to me. Now, now the, the most crazy, the most ridiculous part about this is that we are literally negotiating with Russia to release somebody for somebody who we know 100% violated their laws and is rightfully being imprisoned for something that we currently have people sitting in jail in the United States for today. Is is Joe Biden going to start trading, I don't know, German scientists from the Nazi regime to release, you know, people who are currently in marijuana, in jail for marijuana right now? Probably not. How many people are sitting in jail right now for marijuana charges in the United States? And we're literally negotiating with Russia with a, a murderous arms dealer to get one individual out as a publicity stunt publicity stunt. This is 100% a publicity stunt, right? They're just trying to show that they can negotiate, right? And I would be surprised if at this point Putin does anything. Why would he care to get this arms dealer back? Especially when you can shove it down the United States throat and go, nope, nope, she was here, had it illegally, it's against the rules. Maybe don't travel with weed to Russia. Probably a bad idea, right? Even if you're a world famous WNBA player, maybe you should follow the rules. I don't know if there's any, I can't name a single WNBA player. <laughs> now, on the backs of that, you should go watch the, uh, it's actually um, a little bit of a letdown to me, but you should go watch um, Bill Burr's, it has a special on Netflix, there's some funny parts to it. It takes a minute to get heated up, but there's definitely some good enough jokes that it's worth your time to go to go watch it. Um, a couple of them that I'll highlight for you, I won't give them away completely, but there's one about abortion. And he talks about how it's like the perfect analogy is like, you know, the, you can I'm all for abortion, he says, but you you can't tell me it's not killing a baby, because if I'm cooking a cake and somebody comes by before that cake is done halfway through the time in the oven and throws it on the ground and I go, hey, what the, what the hell? Why? Why'd you destroy my cake? And they go, well, wasn't a cake yet. <laughs> it's like, no, it would have been had you not thrown it on the ground, right? It's a great, great bit. Much better executed than I could ever do. So go watch that. Um, pretty funny. Uh, but even better is Andrew Schultz. Uh, recent comedy special that's just released. I think there's probably like three days left. If you're listening to this, you probably got to buy it in the next two days to actually listen to it. But they pulled Andrew Scholl's comedy special from a major distributor like Netflix, Hulu, somebody, um, and told him he needed to edit out jokes. Andrew Scholl said, screw you. 
and bought his for like a million dollars, bought his special back from them and then released it on his own and made three and a half times the money that he would have made in the first like four days than he would have made from selling it to one of those streaming services. And I think this tells you where people are at on this. Like people don't want somebody to be censored, right? People are willing to give their money up and don't want the censorship AI fucking Mark Zuckerberg algorithms to beat the human race out, right? That's what I found to be like the most gross about this. And I could go on a whole long tangent on the censorship stuff because I'm so, so beyond frustrated with how much it's like been the linchpin for my success with this. Um, and, and how difficult it is to do anything without it. And, and the fact that just, I could go on forever about it, but the fact that Andrew Scholes won out against these streaming services who wanted to censor him about his own jokes, I find that to be incredible. I'm so glad that he did that. And it just proves you know, to me that people are willing to support you if you speak your mind and don't give in to the censorship, right? Um, so even better than Bill Burr's is go watch Andrew Scholl's special. I think it was just like, I, I'm personally, I'm definitely going to watch it here in the next couple of days and buy it. Um, so definitely, definitely put that on your list of things to watch uh, and support somebody who is speaking their mind at a time where you get ridiculed, ostracized and censored for doing so. Uh, so anyways, that's all I got for that portion of the shocking update of Joe Biden trading a murderous arms dealer for a WNBA player who had weed. <laughs> I, I just, it baffles me that that is the trade. All right, so the next thing that we're gonna discuss here is going to be, let's go ahead and watch this video of Kamala Harris at a recent discussion, dis, just basically giving the most hilarious intro of herself. Like it, it literally seems like a skit from, of Michael Scott. <laughs> from the office if he was in a position of political power right now and just didn't understand how pronouns work. So here's the clip. Let's watch it together and then we'll just. Uh, good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris, my pronouns are she and her, I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. And um... Oh my god. My name is Kamala Harris, my, she, my pronouns are she, her, I am a woman sitting at a desk in a blue suit. <laughs> it's like, how ridiculous. How ridiculous are these pronoun things going to get? Like, how far are we going to take this to where we have to, like, you could have given me an any number of, like, first of all, you're Kamala Harris. We know who you are. Second of all, you're Kamala Harris. We know you're a woman. Third, well, yeah, we know you're a woman. Third of all, we know you're wearing a blue suit. Fourth of all, we know you're sitting at a desk. Like we're getting to a point now where reality has become so obscured that you have to identify the object in front of you <laughs> because we're afraid somebody's going to misgender it as a chair instead of a table. Like my name is Austin Adams. I identify as a he, him. I am a man sitting at a desk in front of a microphone with a blue shirt, jeans. I have 10 fingers and my favorite color is blue. Hmm. <laughs> like, how far are we going to take this? And, and also, I don't think Kamala Harris knows how pronouns work. <laughs> like, 
saying a pronoun does not have to do with the color of your shirt, by the way, Kamala, if you didn't know that. <laughs> It's like this clown show of an organ uh, of an administration is just every I, I've yet to see a clip yet to see a clip, a single clip of a powerful like and I'm thirsty for it. Like I wish Biden and Kamala Harris would be incredible leaders. I wish the words coming out of their mouth would just run along my ears like the softest of silks. <laughs> I wish they were bold in their speech. I wish they were confident. I wish that they said things that made people feel better in times of terrorism, like we've seen all across our nation domestically over the last year and a half of this presidency. I wish this administration the best, and that says a lot, but because I want what's best for our country. I want what's best for you and your family. I want what's best for me and my family. I want what's best for our country, right? Despite my political beliefs, despite my beliefs about the election and how that went down, despite all of that, I want what's best for our country. And what's best for our country is when somebody is locked in for four years as the leader of our country, that they do a good job. And I have yet to hear a single speech, a single speech by either one of these individuals that was coherent, let alone powerful and impactful or comforting. And I can't tell you how frustrating that is. I'm sure you understand, right? This is this is our country. I like I grew up as a patriot. I love what our country stands for. I love what our people stand for. I love what our flag stands for. I love our constitution. Like if anything, I'm a like a constitutionalist. I believe in our constitution. I believe how it was written is how it should be. And they're just literally trying to strip that away from us line by line with gun reform laws and censorship through third party AI algorithms and like that's what baffles me the most about the censorship conversation and sorry that I'm going back to this again but it's just so bothersome to me that we're being governed by AI algorithms in our speech. Our constitution was not stripped from us by some politician with votes. Our our freedom of speech was not stripped from us by somebody that we even put into power. Our freedom of speech has been ripped away from us by Mark Zuckerberg's AI robotic algorithm, and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. You can't, you can't even write a fucking support ticket to Facebook or TikTok and expect a response from a human, right? Like, it's so crazy that we've gotten to this point. It's so dystopian, and literally every politician has dropped the conversation. There is not a single politician right now who is vehemently going after these social media companies for censoring all of the American society's freedom of speech, all of the freedom of press. Like, nobody watches the news anymore. Nobody watches the news. Nobody's getting a damn newspaper delivered to their house. Nobody's doing any of that way of like the, what the press was before the way that it is now. We need constitutional like fucking little bullet points under it that now outline that like how is there no conversation around the fact that where 90% of speech and news is released is also a freedom of speech platform, right? How is it that we're 
so much of our conversations are like 90% of human interaction occurs on a social media platform, whether it's DMs, whether it's posts, whether it's Instagram posts, whether it's videos, whatever it is. Freedom of speech, where people, where speech lies today is in social media, where the press lies today is in social media, right? Where all of the, like people don't get their news the same way that they used to. So the fact that Instagram and YouTube and Google and TikTok and Facebook and all of these grimy little dweebs sitting in Silicon Valley and China, communist China right now today, determining what you can say, determining what I can say and deciding whether anybody gets to hear it at all, right? They, it's just a, a loophole and it drives me nuts that there's not a single politician anymore who's even discussing this. Not a single politician is even talking about it on social media because they're getting silenced too. How the hell are these politicians not the ones who are speaking out against this because they're getting like, why isn't Ted Cruz? Why isn't Rand Paul? Why isn't Ron DeSantis? Why isn't Donald Trump? Like, we're like, oh, we're going to take our party over here. No. The speech is happening where it's happening. The reform needs to happen there. And we need to make some type of legal recourse when a company decides who gets to say what and when, right? And we found this out recently that, you know, the FBI whistleblowers have come out and said that they are purposefully stifling the recent release of information about Hunter Biden's iCloud uh, leak. And I saw it literally with my post. I just got ripped off of TikTok for negatively talking about a pedophile. I lost my platform for saying something negative about a pedophile who happens to be the prince of the United States of America, allegedly, who can do no wrong even when he smokes crack, has sexual relations with underage family members that all of his family talks about, gives half of our country's economy away through shell companies in Ukraine, and yet I'm the one that's getting silenced for talking about it. And nobody, nobody in politics is currently making any concerted effort that I've heard of recently at all, right? If you think back to like two years ago or a year and a half ago where Ted Cruz was grilling Mark Zuckerberg in front of Congress, um, like a congressional hearing where he was like the robot with the water and all this weirdness. I don't know, this, this, this censorship stuff just drives me nuts. And what drives me nuts even more is the fact that it's the conversation's done. They conceded. They are now allowing freedom of speech to be a thing of the past. Like, like anybody's buying a newspaper and you're going to legally stop them. Like they've, it's just a proxy. They're, they're stifling your freedom of speech by proxy through AI algorithms with social media networks. The, if you don't think the FBI, the CIA, the department of justice, the Homeland security is actively in conversations with these social media platforms to stifle conversations around news stories and topics that they don't want discussed when they don't want them discussed. Like the very thing that we saw with Hunter Biden's laptop initially and what we're seeing now today with the iCloud leak round two and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's doing anything. No legislation or bills are, are being written to be passed about it. Nothing. And they've conceded. They, they threw their hands up and they threw in the damn towel and they've literally allowed our freedom of speech to be ripped away from us in the last two and a half, three years.
and we are idly standing by and allowing it. Because what are you going to do? You're going to not use Instagram? And like, if, if you're not using Instagram to get the word out on something like this, or you're not using Instagram to promote your business, or like, what are you doing there? Because Instagram sucks right now. Instagram sucks right now. Like, you scroll Instagram the way that they just changed everything, and it's like every other post that you have on your timeline now is either sponsored or recommended in some way, and it's all shitty content because their algorithms suck. Go look at your explore page. It's terrible. It's awful. And meanwhile, they're, they're, you know, stifling free speech about people saying negative things about pedophiles because that's a going to be a protected class, just like all the other, you know, alphabet soup, trans gender BS. <sighs> so infuriating. Anyways, anyways. So the next video we're going to watch, there's two situations that have come up recently about the shootings that have happened, both the Highland Park shooting and the Uvalde shooting. Um, we're going to discuss that. And so we'll jump right into it. The Highland Park shooter was indicted by the grand jury on 117 counts. All right. So one more time, the Highland Park shooter indicted by a grand jury on 117 counts. The Illinois State Attorney's Office has announced that a grand jury has indicted July 4th Highland Park shooter on 117 separate accounts. Robert, not going to say his name, is being charged with 21 counts of first-degree murder, three counts for each child victim killed, 48 counts of attempted murder, 48 counts of aggravated battery with a firearm for each victim who was hit by a bullet or a bullet fragment. Um, in a statement, the state's attorney... Eric Reinhardt said that I want to thank law enforcement and prosecutors who pre presented evidence to the grand jury today. Our investigation continues and our victim specialists are working around the clock to support all those affected by the crime that led to 117 felony counts being filed today. And this is just a sensationalist way of going at like, what are you going to do with 117 counts? If it's five of those stick, he's going to jail for life. They're just trying to like sensationalize and get the, the public eye and spotlight off of them after so many people are pointing at every literal thing that could have went wrong, went wrong. Every coward who could have been wearing a badge was wearing a badge that day. Even, you know, like the, just the grossest situation you could imagine. If you go watch the new footage that's come out recently, it, it's just infuriating to even see. Like some guy literally getting hand sanitizer in the middle of a shootout where children are bleeding out in another room, five rooms away from him. And he's getting hand sanitizer. Another guy on his phone laughing, smiling about whatever he saw on his phone at the time. And there was almost 300 officers on scene. And, and so we'll watch this video of prime time Alex Stein. If you know who that is, he's the guy that's been going from uh, like school district board meetings to city council meetings to all these things. And he's done like the raps about COVID and like all these very comical. He's a comic to begin with. He's a comedian. Um, but this one ended up being a little bit different than what you would expect. Uh, a little bit more serious on his part. I didn't, I, I was kind of expecting some type of comedy. I didn't know how he was going to walk that line, um, but he did it fairly well here. And there wasn't really much, much comedy. It was pretty serious and uh, glad that he did here. Um, so let's go ahead and watch this clip. I'm here in Uvalde, Texas, at Robb Elementary School, the site of the mass shooting where 19 children and two teachers died. Normally, I try to bring awareness in a humorous way, but tonight, I'm speaking at the local city council meeting to expose the lack of response time from the police force 
372 officers waited 77 minutes to go in and stop Salvador Ramos. I'm here to bring attention to that so that nothing like this happens in the future. And we have police that are more courageous. Thank you, Council. My name is Alex Stein, and uh, a lot of times I speak at a lot of city council meetings, and usually I like to use my platform to make people laugh, to expose a lot of the leadership problems that we have. But here today, there's nothing funny. When I drive into your city, there's a stain on this city that will never be lifted, ever. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how reactive you are. It's your lack of proactive results. We have Principal Gutierrez, who was fired, that knew of security issues. Knew of it. The principal knew of security issues. And now 21 people are dead, 19 students. So you can say, oh, well, it's, not, it's the lack of police force. Well, really, let me go, Chip. Let me use my three minutes. Listen, I understand you're not the school district, but this is your city. Are you the leader of this city, Chip? Do you lead this city? You're telling me the city council is not the leaders of this city? Is that what you're telling me? Is that what you're trying to tell me, Chip? So you guys don't consider yourself leaders? See, that's why. It's because you don't consider yourself a leader. You don't take responsibility for your action. That's why you sit there, and that's why you are a direct reflection of these cops. They were cowards. It took them 77 minutes and you're a coward. You sit there like a coward trying to combat what I'm saying. I'm bringing awareness to your city. You still had the audacity after 21 people died. Chief Arredondo, you swore him in. I don't care that he resigned. You swore him in. You do two meetings a month. Mayor McLaughlin, that's 24 meetings a year. Can't even show up. I don't care where he's at. He should be here digitally. I don't see a screen with his face. This is 2022. We just had a pandemic. People can be in a meeting digitally and remotely. But you've all day, you can't figure it out. Because you can't protect your 21 kids and you can't run a meeting digitally. Because you know why? He doth protest too much. You know you're guilty and you feel guilty. And that's why you're yelling. That's why you're combating me. And that's why I'm here to expose you guys. Because we've got to hold our leadership responsible for 21 people being dead. Do you realize that? Do you know how many people? I think we all know. And we're all very frustrated with what happening. I know you did not pull the trigger. But it doesn't matter. There is a set of circumstances that a domino effect happened. One domino set off stuff that a kid was able to get through an unlocked door and shoot 21 people. That's pathetic. That's disgusting. And now this is the biggest story in the entire world. And guess what? They're going to take away, they're trying to take away the guns from 350 million people because a school couldn't lock a back door, basically. And because of the response time was so disgusting, 77 minutes. I have these pictures. This is not Uvalde. I want you guys to show you this. This is somebody doing hand sanitizer. He's more worried about protecting himself from COVID than protecting the 19 children that were bleeding to death. This is a cop on his phone smiling. There's nothing funny about 19 children bleeding to death on their cell phone saying, I want my mom. And then when their mom tried to run in, what did they do? They stopped the parents from coming in the school. That's pathetic. That's disgusting. You guys should all be ashamed of yourselves. And I'm going to expose this. And I know, with, let me just say my last point. I know the investigation will come out and you guys will probably not get in trouble because it's not necessarily your fault. But you guys as leaders should take responsibility for this in order to be proactive instead of reactive so no more children have to die. Because right after the fact, you didn't let go of Arredondo. If another school shooting would have happened, he still would have been in charge. Think about that. Thank you, Thank you guys. Oh, and if any parents want to meet me and get any 
you know, you want any attention, please contact me after the meeting. I'm Alex Stein. Thank you. So there you have it. So primetime Alex Stein, if you don't know who that is, he's a com- comedian and political commentator. He's been on uh, Tucker Carlson and stuff for, he did these like funny raps. And this was a bit more serious for him. You see him literally going off on the uh, school or the city council. Now, I, I don't know exactly what his point was on that. It was kind of a obscure... Um, argument where he was just really frustrated and angry at them. It seems like he was mad that the the head of the city council wasn't there um, and they weren't seemingly taking responsibility, you know, and that the individual that they allowed to be in the position that was there at the time made the wrong call. You know, and this is something that we're seeing come up recently is the fact that the uh, it came out recently that the, I think it was the police chief was had, was struggling to find keys for a, like 77 minutes or so until they realized that the door was unlocked. It's, it's, uh, it's so sickening to me being a parent and just uh, cannot imagine the heartache. And like, if I was a a family member or a a father or a mother of one of those children, and and he even points it out, like the mom was trying to go in there trying to go in there and got stopped and like literally put in handcuffs by by police officers for trying to do so to save her children. And there was another police officer who was there whose wife was the teacher who got shot and he got stopped from going in there when he was walking in there and looked at his phone and, and, and she said that she got shot and texted him. And uh, he like started to walk towards there like half-heartedly and got stopped by the other guys who brought him back and like just a horrific situation. Now, again, I don't know what's exactly going to come from something like that. Just that, you know, really riled up speech, but God, some, somebody has to shed a light on it. And I'm glad that Alex Stein did. Um, so, you know, those situations to me are just, just horrific. And all of the new video evidence that's come out and the like almost was a 300 police officers or even more that were out there at the time that literally did nothing. And it seems like beating a dead horse because everybody knows it. But how do we get to that point where where nothing was being done in this situation? And there wasn't a single person besides a mom who jumped a fence to go save her children. Um, just baffles me. And I don't know. It, it, you, you try to go into like the systemic issue. And obviously, it has a lot to do with mental health. It has a lot to do with SSRIs. And there's all these conspiracy theories. And like, speaking of that, Alex uh, Jones is on, you know, defamation trial or something like that for the Sandy Hook situation. But, you know, there's been things that have come out that have showed grooming by FBI and CIA agents pushing for people to commit things like this in the past. And, you know, this, this, this isn't a crazy, like the Sandy Hook idea was that it was all staged and none of these kids existed. And there was a video of a dad like smiling at the podium and getting into character. He's, he went out and that was like defended somehow. Um, but I don't think it's that complicated. I, I think there's way too many loose ends for it to happen like that. And, and all it could have been is a, a, a kid who's super troubled and they know where these watering holes of these like misguided youths are on the dark web and on 4chan and on Reddit and they can find them where they're at and just prod them a little bit and send them a nice little care package. 
And next thing you know, something like this horrific happens because we literally have yet to find a motive for these individuals doing this. Like, it makes no sense, no sense in either of these cases, you know, why this would have been done the way that it was, why they went after children, why they went after, you know, people on July 4th, like all of this horrificness is just baffling. And, uh, so again, happy to see somebody shed light on it. Happy to see somebody like get riled up because we should be, we should all be so emotionally frustrated at this point with these things happening and in the conversation, just immediately being politicized into something about the weapons. Right. And we saw that with like the 22 year old who literally shot a potential shooter at a mall, uh, last week and hit him eight times from 40 yards, which is like nuts and saved how many countless lives and how many, you know, news companies did not post about that, right? That should literally be the shouting from the rooftops right now by, by media companies that look, somebody saved these people. There's a hero. These things happen, but there's also good people out there doing good things, protecting people from these things happening again. And they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to shed light on it, right? Just literally a tenth, a hundredth, a thousandth of the media coverage on somebody saving lives with a weapon, protecting the lives of children and family and friends around him and random strangers in a public area and did it in a unbelievable fashion. If you know anything about shooting 40 yards with a Glock or whatever type of weapon he had with a pistol, eight out of 10 rounds hit his target like nuts and it was 22 right so obviously you know had some i'd be interested to see what type of training he had or if he shot a lot or um but on a positive note there are very good people out there like this young man who are there to protect you who carry with them every day a tool just in case something happens around you and you should applaud those people you shouldn't condemn them for carrying a weapon because they want to protect people right i thought i thought that was an interesting statistic in the way that people view it like people who view guns as the issue on this often view themselves as the potential victim not as the potential protector right i know in these situations if i'm ever in a situation like that luckily I will have something around me most of the time, far high percentage of the time where I would be able to protect myself and protect those around me in a situation like this. And I carry that for a reason because I know I am a protector. I know I will put myself in a position to stop something like this from happening. And I know too that I don't want to be in that position and not be carrying and not have the ability to protect myself or my family or my friends or random strangers or children around me. And there's people out there that are like that. And, and just applause to this young man for being one of those people who carries on him enough to have it in this situation and have trained too, not just carry it on you like it's a, a damn watch, but train enough to be able to utilize it in that situation effectively. Um, so on a positive note, there are heroes out there around you at any given time willing to put down their lives and protect you and protect your family members with a weapon and we should applaud those people. We should scream their names from the rooftops. The fact that how many people can name the Highland Park shooter, the Uvalde shooter, and how many would never even know an ounce of information about this 22 year old man. Um, let's look up his name 
by the way, and give him some credit talking about the fact that we don't bring these people up enough. Uh, let's find this man's name because he, his name should be brought up. His name should be on every news network um, where they're talking about this this individual. And so his name was, so this reads, a 22-year-old man with a gun stopped a mass shooting at an Indiana mall on Sunday, saving countless lives, according to authorities. The man who fatally shot the active shooter has been identified as Elijah Dickin. Here's what we know about the young man and the shooting. So Elijah Dickin is the hero who shot down a potential mass murderer, mass shooter in this mall from 40 yards away with eight very, very accurate accurate rounds using what I was correct, a nine millimeter Glock handgun. Um, Dickin started firing after only 15 seconds of the attacker's first shot. I will say this, his actions were nothing short of heroic, Greenwood Police Chief Jim Eisen said. Greenwood Park Mall surveillance footage captured early the entire incident, he noticed. He noted. Dickon engaged the gunman from quite a distance with a handgun, was very proficient in that, very tactically sound. As he moved to close in on the suspect, he was also motioning for people to exit behind him. A good guy with a gun, Elijah Dickin, 22 years old, has been cited as the hero who saved lives when he used his concealed carry weapon to stop a mass shooter firing into a crowded food court. And these are the type of conversations that they're not having. Why? Because he carried a weapon. He protected people. He saved lives. His gun was legal. He carried it on him rightfully, right, with the constitutional carry that was passed in Indiana, right? It did not fit the narrative. Right. And that's why they didn't want it being talked about, because if constitutional carry was around, how many of these potential shootings would have been stopped? How many people don't carry on them because they believe that they're they don't want to worry about these silly little laws and going to jail for legally carrying a weapon or their whatever their card expiring or not wanting to go to the class, whatever it is that stops people? You know, how many lives would be saved? And that's the the, the conversation they don't want us having is there's heroes out there every single day willing to lay their lives on the line, to move towards the shooter in these situations and stop them. With the same thing that you're sitting here trying to condemn and stop people from being able to carry because one dumbass child decides to go after people when they're going to find a gun either way. And we found that with Shinzo Abe's assassin who assassinated you know, him in Japan, that he had a literal two pieces of metal pipe with duct tape wrapped around it and a piece of wood and found a way to make his own makeshift weapon and killed somebody with it. So we we don't need to eliminate guns completely from the good guys because there's more guns than there are people out there. And there's a very, very, very small percentage of sick individuals completing these, doing these crimes. But on a positive note, Elijah Dickin, you are a hero. Thank you for doing what you did. And more of the mainstream media companies need to be covering this. All right. So again, thank you guys so much for listening today. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation surrounding these things. 
and go head over to the Substack, redpillrevolution.substack.com. You will get all of the articles, all of the links, all of the videos, the topic videos, the full podcast episode, the video episode, da la la. You'll get all of it for free right now. Eventually, we may be moving to a paid Substack only with a preview for everybody. But for now, it's all free. So sign up right now, redpillrevolution.substack.com. Head over to our website and sign up for some life insurance. If you don't see it on the day that this comes out, check a couple days later because I'm improving the website, um, changing some things around. If you haven't seen the website, go check it out. I don't know if it's published right now. <laughs> like You'll probably look wonky. You'll probably see like it started with like a yoga blog template. <laughs> so it's in the middle of construction. Go check it out. It might be funny for you. Um, but anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Hit that five-star review button. If you didn't hit the five-star review button already, if you didn't hit the subscribe button, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. But I will not forgive you, right? There's 500, 700, 1,000, thousands of people listening to this right now. And how many of you are going to do that? Hit that subscribe button. And if you've already subscribed, hit that five-star review button. Leave a nice little note. Um, it would mean the world to me. I appreciate you so much. If you're still listening to this, you are awesome. I love you. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you again. I hope you have a great day. And welcome to the revolution. Thank you.